0: My guest today is Russ Frushtick. My name is Charlie Hall, and today we're talking about Battlefield 5 You're listening to Polygons, quality control. For joining me today,
1: Russ, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, I was very good. I was very full of food, and that's really all you could ask for.
0: <laughs> Are you responsible for anything, and when your family gathers, do you have like the turkey in charge? Or we traveled this year, so thankfully I didn't have to worry about too much apart
1: from getting on a flight at very early in the morning.
0: Ugh, well, that, that can be its own downside, but glad you had a good one. I wanted to bring you on the show today because we kind of, we kind of split up reviewing duties for Battlefield 5, the latest from EA's Dice Studio. You took the single-player campaign, I took the multiplayer aspect of the game, which is, well, broad, um, <laughs> if not particularly deep, and we can get to that. But I kind of wanted to start with the single-player aspect of this game, if we could so much of my enjoyment of past Battlefield games came from, um, the single player portion. I I think the Battlefield 1 was really a remarkable narrative experience. Um, But you had some reservations with Battlefield 5, which kind of returns to to its roots here in World War II. In the review that you put up on Polygon, and I'll I'll link to it in the show notes, you said, while the campaign features some heartfelt storytelling. It remains mired in dated and uninspired design. Unpack that for me, Russ.
1: Yeah, well, it's first of all, it's funny that you say that you have good, mem- fun memories of Battlefield campaigns. It, my personal take is that, apart from Battlefield One's campaign, which I thought was very good, almost all the other campaigns are pretty dismal. Um, there was a bad company. Bad Company was a pretty good campaign, but but almost all of the Battlefield games either don't have a campaign. Uh, As as was the case in the original 1942 or it's pretty weak Um, For this one, it seems like they kind of followed the Baseline that battlefield one set which I thought was very smart which was okay. We're gonna have these discrete missions that don't really tie in with one another They're just like focusing on one specific character in a specific environment and you get this like two hour long little arc for that character And you learn about their backstory and stuff like that. And that's really what Battlefield 5 is following. It follows that same exact format. Now, whereas Battlefield 1 um, had, I believe, six missions in total, uh, Battlefield 5 only has three um, and uh, is markedly shorter than the first one. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I would say there's more
0: negativity (laughs) on the way, so buckle up. All right well, let's let's focus on the what heartfelt storytelling then you were able to find. where Where does the single player for this game begin and and where does it take players on the on this journey?
1: Yeah. so so the three missions, as I said, are set in completely different environments. The first mission is northern Africa, um, and it kind of follows this um, duo of uh, British, I think they're SAS or some equivalent type special forces. And then the second mission is set in Norway. Um, and tells the story of a resistance fight, uh, two resistance fighters, a uh, mother and daughter actually. And then the third mission is set in uh, France, German-occupied France, and follows the um, these Senegalese soldiers who were basically conscripts. Uh, you know, they were con- colonized by France and then essentially forced to fight uh, in World War II. Which was, I mean, so these are. Most For the most part, pretty interesting stories that you don't really hear very much about in these sorts of games. I think the first one is kind of rote and familiar, but the other two um, felt like different angles or different perspectives on um, World War II, which is, again, pretty well-versed. And that's really the stuff that I um, dug, was like these new perspectives that kind of shed light on something that I wasn't aware of before.
0: So the the you said it was kind of SAS British troops and and that's actually the one that I'd heard the least about before mm-hmm. this game actually launched. What about the what about this Nordlease campaign? This one that's set in this arctic area. How how does that play out? Was it effective yeah. in its storytelling?
1: Yeah, it's cool. I mean, so so effectively there's this um heavy water power plant um and um there's a resistance fighter that's essentially trying to break her mother, who is a scientist at this power plant, out of a Nazi-held control. And then, uh, so there's a very cool element where you're, you know, it's in the middle of the night, and um, you're playing this, she's probably like 17 years old, and she's very equipped for this environment because she grew up here, so you've actually got skis that you can use to like how are you through these environments? Which is a really cool shift. And the skis feel, let me just say, super amazing. Um, for whatever reason, they just nailed the skis. Uh, and so, but like there's an obvious bond there with between these two characters being mother and daughter. And so I was like drawn in by their story. And I thought it was pretty cool that you were this like stealthy force hiding in the woods that all the Germans were terrified of. Um, and it, it, it was kind of moving. Now, uh, once the game gameplay actually starts, outside of the skiing, you're doing a lot of the things that you've done in a lot of first-person shooter games. You're, you know, stealth kills and sneaking up on guys and sniper rifle and blah, 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 blah. Like, it, it's—and by the end of it, you know, what starts as, like, kind of grounded basically devolves into, like, you running around with a machine gun killing dozens and dozens of guys, Um, but it, it had a baseline
0: that I was engaged with wild. All right. Tell me more about the, the, these Senegalese troops though. one of the, one of the selling points of the, of the game before it came out was they were going to, they were going to tell stories of people who you don't normally hear about in the setting of world war two. They were going to go to battlefields and, and visit communities of, of fighters that we don't experience their stories of very often. So tell me about them.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, they were uh, from Senegal. They were, uh, you know, effectively forced to fight for France, for the liberation of France. And um, they show through cutscenes and stuff like that that the French soldiers, the local French soldiers, have no respect for them, basically give them like crap duty. And then uh, they're sort of placed in the situation where there's a. Um, it's like a. A suicide mission, and no one thinks that they can pull it off. So they they get sent in to do this thing that no one else has been able to do, and that's uh, like pretty exciting to see this perspective of these guys that like have no, you know, formal backing, uh, you know, support from the country that they're fighting for or the soldiers that they're fighting with, and uh, so there's kind of this mini. Um, story that you just don't really see very often now same with the uh, norwegian mission once the gameplay actually starts for these missions things devolve into like standard FPS f- uh, fare pretty quickly so uh, whereas the characters are unique and you know we haven't seen a lot from them the actual gameplay is very much not uh, it just kind of falls into the category of been been there done that
0: Well, that's a shame, and a shame that theres that feels like there's kind of half the content that there was in Battlefield 1. You can still experience these kind of in any order, right? I could start with Nordlis and then go on to the Senegalese and skip the SAS folks entirely.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can play them in any order. I I think they, in terms of the gameplay, are all pretty much comparable Um, story-wise. I think the last two are more interesting Um, And there is, I should mention, there is a fourth mission that will be coming, I believe, in December. Um, I forget the name of it. Uh, The Last Tiger. The Last Tiger. Right, yeah. So I think it's related to like a tank uh, regimen. I I haven't played that, so I I can't really speak to it, but that is on the way. I do want to mention like the one thing that the campaign does really well. It's granted something that I've seen in previous Battlefield games, but it does really well is when it gives you these moments where you're basically presented this giant open space in front of you, and you're given three or four objectives, and you're you're basically told, like, go and ac- accomplish these objectives, but we're not going to tell you how to do it. And so you basically have free reign over this enormous, enormous map. And in those scenarios, it does feel cool and good. I mean, again, you're still assaulting anti-aircraft things and, like, it's it still feels like stuff that i've done time and time again but it does feel quite good and and visually it's an extremely impressive game like just graphically it's very beautiful Um, i don't know that it has the like wow factor that battlefield one did which i think set a new standard for these games this feels kind of like a retread of that but you know it's cool to be in these wide open environments and feel like you have control over how a a level plays out
0: and i Absolutely, seconding what you had to say about how gorgeous the game looks. I really think that, gosh, it's it's so it it's so well polished graphically. I don't know how else to put it. the The particle yeah. effects, the weather effects, the the dirt and the grime, and the animations, the way that the the characters move through the environment, even in multiplayer, is just a step above what I've seen from other combined arms shooters online it's just completely blown me away
1: yeah it's it's extremely impressive if you put it like side by side but with like battlefield uh, or black ops 4 i should say it's night and day like battlefield just looks so so much better um which is you know part of the reason is they designed that engine themselves they built it from the ground up so maybe they've gotten to the point where they just know it inside and out
0: One of the really interesting things that I encountered when I first booted up the game, when you first launched the game on PC, I don't know if the same is true of consoles or not, but there's this this kind of introductory tutorial mission that they make you go through. And it's got you inside a tiger tank, um, assaulting an allied position. It's got you um, landing in Norway during this massive invasion of a German-occupied uh, installation. It's got you inside a Messerschmitt or a, a BF-109 doing battle with an RAF bomber group. It took you through all of these really moving and well-done uh, vignettes. But then it's so strange not to find fully half of those scenarios with the game that's shipped at retail. And they're just kind of, they're TBD. They're like, yeah. we'll get it to you when we get it to you.
1: And that does sort of seem like I'm sure you'll speak to this on the multiplayer side, but it does seem like the uh, overall thesis of Battlefield Five is no part of this game feels like a complete product. There's so many of the menus are listed as coming soon or on their way or whatever. And granted, these days in video game world, like that is not totally outrageous. Like that's a kind of typical thing. But to the level, to the extent that Battlefield Five does this is maybe a new bar that has been set for TVD content.
0: Russ, I definitely want to talk more about the multiplayer section of Battlefield 5, but first, a quick note from this week's sponsor. On quality control, we know that beating a game takes some planning ahead. you gotta got to set aside the time. Uh, maybe you need to use one of Polygon's guides. I don't know. Depends on what game it is. Coming up next, though, I want you to listen to an advertiser segment from Betterment. And it's about how to plan ahead for your financial future.
2: Ten years ago, the Great Recession sent shockwaves through the global economy. And in that uncertain economic environment, consumers were gripped with fear and doubt.
3: 2008, it was, you know, the Great Recession. People in general had lost trust in the incumbents. And I thought there really ought to be an obvious best answer to the question, what should I do with my money? But there wasn't.
2: That's John Stein, CEO of the financial services company Betterment, which he founded because he felt the economic industry was failing the average investor.
3: Imagine a healthcare system designed with just a shelf of medicine. And you can go and you can take whatever you want, however much you want, but there's no doctors. Just Just figure it out. And I think that's a crazy way to design a system that everyone has to use. I thought, how do we help people make great decisions, put the right kind of information in their hands to help them do better?
2: So along with a team of experts, John developed an online financial advisor that could work for anyone.
3: Maybe you're retiring, or maybe you're thinking about buying a home or having a child in the future. We learn about those things and create goals for you and a financial plan. It's all the things that a great traditional financial advisor might do for you. But financial advisors charge, you know, maybe four times what what Betterment charges.
2: Betterment, outsmart average. Please remember, investing involves risk. This has been advertiser content from Betterment.
0: Thanks for that note from Betterment. To learn more about their tools, visit betterment.com slash quality. That's betterment.com slash quality. Back to our conversation about Battlefield 5. One of the parts of the multiplayer that was so disappointing to me was the idea of the company. They sold this idea of the company so hard to me, Russ. I was going to have all these customized soldiers and all these unique weapons. And everybody on the battlefield was going to look different. And I was going to be so invested in this visual journey of all my different soldiers and it, it, it's just, it's not really very satisfying for me mm-hmm. on the multiplayer side of the house. Um, there were, I, I believe, eight maps that launched with the game, but they're they're broken up into different game modes, right? You're not going to encounter sure. several of the maps unless you're only playing with infantry forces, for instance, the Rotterdam and devastation. You can't necessarily play those with aircraft, so there's no Mm -hmm. aircraft, or or with heavy armor, so there's no heavy armor. Um, And you can only play those in this one particular infantry-focused multiplayer mode. Then the um, grand operations really, in my experience, only include two or three kind of environments, and those are kind of sampled from the eight available maps, depending on the day of the grand operation that you're playing. So in in kind of the core mode, this all-out 64-player war mode that Battlefield Five is known for. There's really only like four or five maps that you kind of bounce between. And, you know, all the, all the soldiers kind of look the same. I don't feel like I have this opportunity to differentiate myself. Mm-hmm. And that's after playing the game a ton because there's just this feedback loop where I'm encountering the same content over and over again. And it's not really pulling me in and asking me to to put in the time to invest in these characters and in, and unlock all of these cosmetic things that I was kind of promised were going to be there waiting for me when I right. started this game it's 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 such a very hollow experience once it gets moving
1: do you do you find that the cosmetics are really what's supposed to be powering you through? Whereas like maybe in previous games it was just like getting that next gun unlock or whatever?
0: I feel like I have a good selection of weapons when the game mm-hmm. launches. I have got that submachine gun, I've got that medium range rifle, I've got some heavy weapons that I can use when I need to. All of the roles are pretty well fleshed out once you've kind of leveled them up to level two or three, four, five, maybe. Sure. Um so yeah, I mean I it's just it feels like that carrot is very small and also very far away right
1: yeah. now. The the one thing I was curious about I admittedly haven't really played the multiplayer at all, so you're going to have to be the expert here. Uh the one thing I was curious about having played Battlefield 1's multiplayer is I found it to be kind of frustrating in so far as uh I you know the realistic nature of it, you get one shot. That's fine, but I was—I felt like I was constantly just getting picked off from untold angles everywhere across the map. And maybe it's just because I'm bad, but like, it, I didn't really feel like I had a real control over the environment, um, or uh, you know, or the ability to sort of turn the tide. Which is really the best parts of Battlefield is when you, you know, march into a camp uh, into an area. And cap it and feel like you accomplished something. Do you feel like that's changed at all? Do you feel like it's easier to make people feel like they're making an impact?
0: It's hard. (laughs) The the way that I'll answer that is by talking about the squad mechanics in the game. Hmm. If you are coming to Battlefield Five as a lone wolf, you're going to have an awful time of it. You're not going to enjoy yourself at all. Because whenever you enter a multiplayer game, you're not fully supplied. You don't have all of the ammunition. You don't have all of your health supplies. It's this attrition system that they've built into the game. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that you need to do when you start a multiplayer round is decide, do I press the attack and just try and get one or two more kills before I run into somebody else from my squad and resupply? Or do I retreat and go back to a supply dump, uh, which is poorly marked and hard to find on the map? And po- folks aren't really informed that that's a decision that they need to make, and so sure. you get you you land in the game, you take off running, and you just you run out of momentum very quickly, and you mm-hmm. you just like you're saying, you don't feel like you're able to affect any type of change in the state of the map unless you work. I guess that's a realistic portrayal of war, <laughs> right? But um, unless you work together, though, right? Unless sure. you work together, and if you're working together, you are able to kind of synergize with the other folks in your squad so long as you have the right squad specialties in play, right? You need a right. healer, you need a medic, uh, you need a, a support person to throw you ammunition, uh, and you, you kind of need somebody to be spotting. You need that recon player to be spotting targets because not everybody's using voice chat.
1: That was something I noticed. is that That's different, right? So, so now you have to be equipping... There's only one class that effectively can spot units, right? Right. And... That's a pretty big change.
0: And the leader of a squad, the leader of a squad can give orders, but he mm-hmm. can't call out individual soldiers and tell people kill that one guy. That's right. only something that can be unlocked eventually for the recon. Uh, and it's not too far along the recon path, but no one's doing it. Like uh-huh. you go into the games and nobody on my squad that's playing recon is doing that. They're just holed up in the corner of the map, trying to get as many kills as possible. And that's sure. that's not how you be helpful to your teammates and your squad. Right. Um, but also the other interesting thing that they've done, and I think that this is newer, uh, maybe older Battlefield games had this, but I, I don't believe it was in Battlefield 1. But as an individual squad member, I can demand an order from the squad leader. And if he doesn't give me one, give me one in 60 seconds, I become the squad leader. Oh, so if funny. you've got this passive person that isn't directing the rest of the folks in your squad what to do, you could just kind of take over for them.
1: Yeah, that's funny.
0: Um, but yeah, I don't know. Another thing that's really bummed me out is this: these combined arms cooperative missions. And th- we've known for a long time that those weren't going to launch with the game. But I think so much of its continued success is hinging on them, really sure. fleshing out the multiplayer experience. Combined arms are supposed to be these raid-like scenarios where you join them with three or four other... Uh, players, I think it's squads of four, and, and you you work towards a common objective. And I, I'm hoping that there's going to be some interesting things to unlock cosmetically and weapons-wise and role-wise within those combined arms missions. Otherwise, they're just... They're, I don't see much of a point to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does sort of beg the question of whether... Um, you know, it'd be nice to know that like their, their level design, maybe efforts were put to that instead of the campaign, which again, doesn't feel that dramatically unique. So maybe there's more intriguing gameplay elements at work there. Um, and then also correct me if I'm wrong. The, the battle Royale mode is also TBD, like in the
0: ether. It is. And we really haven't learned much about it at all. It, it really could be anything. Right. <laughs> when it arrives like we we don't know so that I, I believe is coming uh in the the next month i think december again sometime is over. I, be...
1: I think that one's later i think it's march actually of next year i could be dead
0: i could be wrong uh what i was gonna say is december is when we're gonna be hearing more about it oh got like, it yeah i don't I understand i don't think it's coming until next year <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> but we it's it's surprising how little we know about what it's even gonna play like yeah for sure um, but you know i it's, it's a game that we're going to continue to cover here at Polygon. I'm, I'm sure that you're going to be making some video content for it, and I'm going to be keeping tabs on the patch notes and, and kind of keeping one toe in the game as we go forward. But I, I just worry that the community that surrounds it isn't going to be there to follow it up in the next couple of months.
1: Yeah, that's really the question you have to always ask yourself if, you know, you're releasing a game and you release it half finished, is it going to be enough to keep people in it? Um, I know games like uh, Sea of Thieves had similar issues where they came out and there just wasn't much there and you just lose so many players and the interest level just drops off a cliff. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, Battlefield tend to, these Battlefield games tend to have a very long tail. So it'll be interesting to see if people stick with
0: it or not. Absolutely. Well, thanks for taking the time, Russ, to chat with me today about Battlefield Five. Hopefully there's some exciting and interesting things to come for this game in, in the coming months. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks to you at home for listening today. Until we've got another game to talk about, this is Charlie Hall for Russ Frustick. Thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control.
1: Hey, Quality Control listeners, I'm Russ Froschek, and I want to let you know about a new season of the History of Fun podcast available now. In the past, we've gone deep into the hidden backstories of the things you love from Neopets. He was a huge Scientologist (laughs) (laughs) with the power of Dianetics guiding him. He signed Mm -hmm. on as CEO of Neopets. To Happy Meals. So the first
3: toys weren't great. They kind of sucked, but it doesn't matter because, wow, you're getting free surprise random toys in your,
1: your food to Toys R Us. Well, before he became Jeffrey, he looks, well actually I think it was the first version of Jeffrey, also is like very animal-like, like Like, it's like, oh you're a giraffe. For this new season, we're diving into the strange world of holiday traditions. Like where did trick-or-treating even come from? Or how about the origins of the mighty and terrible anti-Santa Krampus? Join the History of Fun for a weekly jaunt guaranteed to warm up your holiday season. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast
1: Network. I just, I just, uh, I'm going to hit stop now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that sounds good.